So hello and welcome to the first episode of Prep to Pivot. This is your host Ruchira and today we will be deep diving into the world of consulting and building a roadmap for MBA students who are looking to pivot into consulting. To help us understand more about this industry, we have an expert guest with us today, Mr. Pavan Satyaraju. Pavan is an ex-management consultant from McKinsey San Francisco office and is currently the co-founder of Blue Chapter and Cases Over Coffee. His firm provides experiential learning programs for strategy consulting and global MBA aspirants. Pavan has an MBA degree from INSEAD and bachelor's degree from NIT Raukerala, India. He has two kids, a four-year-old boy and a two-year-old girl, and he has given guest lectures at some of the top universities in the world. So thank you so much for coming to the show today, Pavan. And let's start by understanding your journey into consulting and what your life as a consultant was like. Awesome. So first of all, thank you for uh, having me here, Ruchira. I'm very excited being the first host and I'm super glad you invited me. So uh, to answer your question, what was the life as a consultant? I would answer like any consultant does. Three things about what it was like a life of a consultant. Number one, it was super exciting. It was stressful. I would be very honest with you. It was a stressful life. No questions about that, but it was very exciting at the same time. I got to travel, I got to meet some of the senior executives in some Fortune 500 or even Fortune 100 companies. I was sitting in a boardroom discussion with uh, one of the Fortune 10 CEOs for a two-hour long boardroom discussion. It was a fantastic experience. The questions that were raised, the kind of discussions and decisions that were made in these boardrooms was almost like it gave me a new perspective of what these world leaders are thinking about from a very close distance. So I would say that is one thing which I cherish a lot in terms of understanding the perspectives of these world leaders. That's number one. The second thing which I also enjoyed being a consultant was about the kind of people that I got to work with. You ask any consultant in the world, literally you ask any consultant in the world and this will be their answer. Right? So my answer is no different because it is that important for everybody. Uh, the kind of people that you meet have some of the best credentials in the world, right? These guys have gone and have done their MBAs, PhDs from top universities. And yet, I think the, the selection filtering mechanisms basically are looking for folks who are genuinely compassionate and folks who are looking forward to work in teams and have that kind of like, hey, yes, they lift the entire team spirit. That's the nature of people. These consulting companies also look to hire. Uh, number three, I would I would say is that, hey, yes, along with the problems, along with the leaders that we were working with, the third thing that I would add is the, the depth and the spread of information and expertise that you will gain, right? Because one day you are working in an e-commerce company and the other day you are going and helping a government client build their insurance protocols for the entire nation, right? So it's all in all a fantastic experience for me. So thank you so much for sharing those experiences. So I think a lot of our listeners are a little unsure as to whether or not to pivot into consulting. So could you walk us through a little bit about the why you chose consulting as a career? For me, it was accidental. To be very, very fair, it was an accidental decision to end up in consulting because I never thought I would be able to crack a consulting company because hey, I did not graduate. When I was applying for a different set of, for a whole set of companies, I did not graduate or I did not have a tier one college degree, typically what consulting companies look for, right? So I did my undergrad from NIT Rockilla, like as you mentioned, and I had four years of experience in analytics space. And then I started applying for companies 
and roles which had a bit of analytics in their work profile, but also at the same time, take that analytics and try to apply in boardroom decision-making, right? So I started applying for different niche boutique consulting firms around the world. And McKinsey was a long shot for me, to be honest. I didn't expect I would even get an interview call, but I did, and it worked out well for me. But to add on to that, the reason even why I applied was as simple as that, right? Hey, I, I believe that I already had a skill set in terms of understanding data and how decisions were made using data. Now, I just wanted to make sure that, hey, can leaders really make these decisions instead of middle management? And that's the reason why I applied to some of these consulting companies. All right. Uh, yeah, so that's really understandable and I would say very relatable. Thank you for sharing that. So one of the points you mentioned right now is about uh, having certain skill sets. Like you mentioned, you had skill sets in analytics. So what do you think are some must-have and what are some good-to-have skills for aspiring consultants? Okay. So before I answer that question, what are some of the must-have and what are some of the good-to-have skills? Again, I've been talking to a lot of aspirants right, in the last five years. And even before, I used to take a lot of interviews for McKinsey. Now, everybody, almost everybody, whether they cracked the interview or did not crack the interview doesn't matter. But nobody believes that, hey, they have a chance of getting into that company, right? Everybody prepares hard. Everybody wants to give their best shot. But nobody ever is 100% sure that, hey, yes, I will be able to crack this interview, right? Because that's the nature of the interview itself, that, hey, you are not answering a question which you have already for which you have already prepared. Absolutely. Right? You you get a new question in the interview. So there is a high likelihood that a, you might not answer to the best of your own abilities. Right. So there is always this dilemma in almost everybody's mind. Right. Am I good enough to crack these interviews versus hey, how much ever you prepare? You prepare for four months on campus, you prepare for six months on campus, or if you're off campus, I know people who prepare for years together. Right. That's fine. But what you can do is that you need to basically control the process and make sure that whatever the things under your control are, right? you basically at least ace those things. For example, if you are at a good school, all you need to do is make sure that you have good grades to at least get that interview invite. Once you get the interview invite, all you need to do is you need to practice probably right number of cases so that you at least have a good shot of solving the unknown case that is coming in the interview. So you control the things which you can and the process that you follow and then things will follow. Now, what are the things that you need to control in this entire process? Number one, you need to understand what are the skills being evaluated in the interview, right? These are mandatory skills, right? Now, if I throw some numbers around, McKinsey, BCG, Bain, the top consulting companies, close to 200,000 people, that's 2 lakh people apply to these companies every single year. Okay, and less than 5% of them actually get selected. Okay, less than 10,000 of these 200,000 people get final offers. If you think about it, it's 5% and that is less than the acceptance rate at Harvard. Okay, Uh, that's less than the acceptance rate at even Stanford. You think about any top business school, their acceptance rates are better than MBB firms. Now, but the good part is that there is a method to this madness, right? There are three or four things that you need to focus on. Number one, the first thing is that, hey, when you get in, right, when you are applying, you need to make sure that you have certain spikes on your resume, right? For example, Ruchira, you got into Indian School of Business and you can't say that, hey, I got in and probably like there are a thousand other people along with the same profile 
and I've done nothing else. And they also got into ISP. That doesn't work like that, right? You, you, you tell me, like, right? Uh, you need to have certain, let's say, differentiating elements on your resume, right? Okay. Uh, to get into a top business school. And getting into a top consulting company is nothing different. You need to have some differences in the spikes. And that is something which I cannot say that, hey, this should be your spike, right? For a few guys, the spike could be data analytics. Like me, I had four to five years of solid experience in data analytics, and that helped me answer any question in that space, right? Application of data analytics to business, right? Somebody might be having that experience in operations, right? Somebody might be having that experience in, let's say, supply chain or marketing or any of these. Now, how does this experience help a business make a decision or how is this actually impacting the business? That is something which you need or which any candidate needs to think about. But ultimately, the focus area could be broad, right? It could be any focus area because these consulting companies are looking for candidates from a whole set of like focus areas, right? Now that is number one. You need to have that spike. That is not a good to have, but that's a must have. Right? Just like how ISB is evaluating folks who are interested in folks who have some spikes over here, it's the same story. The second thing, which is again a must have, is the problem solving ability. Right? If I were to ask you, hey, can you tell me three things, Ruchira, which can help anybody to get into ISP? Right? Now, can you help me? How can anybody think about cracking a great job? Right? Three things about cracking a great job. Now, similarly, how can you think that hey, Zomato can launch their 10-minute food delivery service? Right? What are the three major challenges? So it's a new question, but the way you think about it, the way you approach that problem could be very similar. Right? It's all first principles based. So you need to be comfortable solving problems based on first principles. And that is what is tested in the case interview. And this is a very, this is an acquirable skill. It's not like, hey, you are born with a silver spoon and you know these skills right on top of your, like immediately as soon as you're born, like there is no certificate given to you that hey, you are like a natural problem solver right. no, that doesn't happen you acquire the skill right so uh, from what uh, what you mentioned right now i think that uh, it's quite clear that these skills are not just nature skills but they're also skills that can be nurtured so in that context what would you suggest are some ways that we can either sharpen or that we could maybe even show in the resume that we do have problem solving skills so number one the first one that i would like to highlight is that a hey, problem solving skills is one set of skills which is basically evaluated in the interview right from a resume standpoint what is more important is hey what are your leadership skills did you basically exhibit any teamwork kind of skills before did you exhibit any like any did you have did you take any initiatives before do you have any entrepreneurial skills to talk about right these are the skills that will come out more strongly in your resume per se but that will probably fetch you the interview itself. But problem-solving skills is what is tested in the case interview. Right? Now, is that something which you can only develop through solving cases? Absolutely not. There are a bunch of ways in which you can improve your problem-solving skills as well. Right? One of the easiest ways I would recommend is, hey, you are going into the university and you will probably meet a lot of people for the first time. Right? Do you have your, let's say, a 60-second introduction pitch ready? Right? Uh, you need to have, let's say, 30-second, 60-second introduction pitch so that you get it out of the way, you share good perspectives about yourself so that others understand who you are, right? and then you take up the conversation from there. 
right? So do you have that 60 second pitch ready? If you were to introduce yourself in less than 60 seconds, what are the points that you keep versus what are the points that you keep it out? Right? Now, similarly, you basically have written some fantastic emails. You have been working in the corporate world over the last few years. Can you go back, look at some of your emails and see, hey, can I reword this email so that I basically convey the matter in the convey the message in a, in a better way, right? Now, these are all things that you can do on a day-to-day basis, right? Can you read an article? Can you say, hey, what are the three takeaways from that article, right? Can you write something in a better way? Can you read something in a better way, right? And pub, in a newspaper article or an article on a website, whatever it is, right? So these are the common things which will help you understand how to put out the important message in the first 30 seconds, right? Or how to synthesize the message most important part of the message in 30 seconds, 60 seconds. These are day-to-day activities. You can't say that, hey, I became a good problem solver or I know how to talk about, communicate these messages better overnight. That won't happen. This happens through a lot of practice. And this will slowly lead to you becoming a better problem solver. Right. I think that's really helpful. And that also resonates with uh, something you'd once told me about how we can systematically build industry knowledge. So I think that that was one of the best tips that I've ever got from you. So if you'd like to share with our listeners, since consulting is more of a generalist role, it's necessary to know a lot about different industries because we don't know which problem statement will come from which industry in our final interview. So if you'd like to share a little bit about how we can go about systematically building that kind of knowledge base. Yeah, so building that kind of knowledge base with respect to, there are two to three aspects, right? One is, hey, do you really want to become an expert in one specific field versus if you are targeting a job, right? If you are targeting a job and what is the kind of knowledge that you need to crack those interviews? I'm being super practical here, right? You can't. You are an MBA student. You do not have unlimited amount of time to go do PhD in any topic, right? Uh, so, so you need to be practical with respect to what are the best ways for you to acquire skills which will help you crack these jobs. And one of the best things is, hey, if you're applying for a McKinsey, BCG, Bain, AT Kearney's, or let's say LEK Consulting or any of these jobs, please go read about the industries, like probably three to four industries, and read the articles written by experts from these organizations, which are basically published on their websites, right? You don't have to go read like Harvard Business Review. You go don't have to go read some like scientific articles or anything. All you need to do is if you are targeting a few set of companies, please at least read the articles published by these companies, right? Because that's where the latest thinking from that organization is present. And the cases are also written based on the latest thinking or the latest set of clients that these guys are serving, right? So it's the same source to say, right? The case interviews and also the articles are coming from the same set of sources, so you are understanding about the industry will help you answer the case interview questions also in the best possible way. Absolutely. I think that's absolutely a goldmine of information that's just waiting to be tapped into. Uh, but absolutely. what you mentioned right now actually brings to, brings me to my next question, which is that when we go and we're planning to shortlist which companies or even in terms of going to that final interview, when we're going to sit for a particular company interview, we're always told that it's good to research about the company. So while researching for the companies, what are the kind of parameters that we should look for or where should we go to research about different aspects about different companies? Okay. Again, this is a question which can basically take you down the rabbit hole, right? If you say that, hey, I want to do research, what happens typically? Again, 
this is what I have observed talking to a lot of aspirants. They start doing research on Google and they probably will waste two hours of their time. From that research, they get into some other website. From that some other website, then they waste that time. I don't know if it happened to you, but that happened to me a lot of times, right? So, uh, yep. so, so research is a very difficult skill, right? And it's also a time-consuming skill. Now, there are three to four ways in which you can do research. If you are in a business school, right, uh, the best and the easiest way for you to co-do is, of course, attend their info sessions, all that stuff, right? Talk to not more than two to three people. Otherwise, the perspectives will be so different, right? Now, one quick thing, if you are talking to a consulting company, if you are interested in a specific consulting company, you talk to two to three people, you understand the perspective. If you go from McKinsey to BCG to Bain to AT Kearney's, all the perspectives are very similar, right? In terms of, hey, they all will be excited and they all will say that, hey, I love working with people in my company. Okay? It is true, but also at the same time, you will get bored hearing that again and again and again. Okay? So the questions that you should ask are should be super pointed. The questions, some of the questions that you can ask in these conversations are, hey, can you speak about which industries and which sectors did you work in in the last few months? Right? And is there a specific spike or does this particular company, let's say AT Kearney, do they do a lot more of projects in this particular area versus any other area? Right? What are some of the common projects or what are some of the sectors to which like fresh MBA grads are allocated? Right? So you ask these kind of questions, which would be different. Right? Now, if you see any patterns in these questions for some of these companies, then that is goldmine for you. Right? Probably for a big company like McKinsey, BCG, Bain, the answers might be very different, but you will still get some information, right? Hey, if you say, ask people going into Bombay office, they might all say that, hey, I'm working in financial services sector, right? Somebody else might say that, hey, now most of the people in the last three months are working with IT transformations, right? So that kind of information would be more helpful for you. Absolutely. That's absolutely true. So coming to one of the most typically asked questions that we get anytime any speaker comes to our campus is, how can we as MBA students plan a roadmap to get into consulting? And what does the timeline look like? Okay, that's a, I, as I mentioned previously, even I did take some guest lectures at ISB and this was the most frequently asked question. Absolutely. Uh, right, uh, a lot of people did ask me. So I don't know how the dates are changing with respect to when, the companies are going to come on campus. But I would say don't start your prep probably a month or two before your like companies coming on campus. Yes, a few folks will crack all the interviews probably by preparing for 15 days or even less than that. Right. But I have seen typically folks prepare for at least three months. Right. So give yourself that time. You are pretty busy with respect to your academics and a lot of other things going on campus. So you cannot say that, hey, I will dedicate 15 days for interview prep, right? That typically doesn't happen. So you need to give yourself three months, four months and say, I'll carve out one to two hours every single day, right? That's the first thing that you need to do. The second thing is when these companies are coming on campus, there are two ways they are looking out to give out interview invites to folks, students on campus. Number one, if folks have any prior experience, Let's say somebody has sales experience 
I know a few years back, one of the ISB students who got finally selected into McKinsey, he was interviewing specifically for McKinsey marketing and sales practice because he was area sales manager for a telecom company in Bombay for four years. And he projected that information, that expertise and applied to marketing and sales practice. Now, if you are interested, if you have expertise in any specific area, you can do that, right? You can slowly move again within McKinsey, BCG, Bain, or any of these other top consulting firms. You can apply for these specific roles, specific practices. Once you start getting to know people in that particular firm after like, let's say one year or two years, you can move from marketing and sales to operations and to private equity. So you will get that exposure. No questions asked, right? That's pretty straightforward. But people tend to believe that, hey, am I going to stick to only one specific area? So let me tell you that, no, that's not going to be the case. Okay. So that is one reason, one way. And in that scenario, your GPA matters little less. Okay. So your expertise carries a lot more weight and that is where it is given priority. The second scenario is, of course, hey, you have the average batch experience and you do not have any spike, right? Let's say from your experience, from your conversations with, as what we discussed, right, a couple of minutes back, if your conversations with the current associates, the current employees of these firm reveal that, hey, there is a lot of healthcare work happening, right? There's a lot of like automation work happening. There's a lot of like automotive, like EV work happening. Now, if you have that experience, please project it and please apply to that practice, right? Otherwise, your GPA will determine whether you are going to get an interview in White versus Smart. Understood, understood. So yeah, that that's not something we always hear about, but you know, G- GPA in a B school. But I mean, facts are facts. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yep. Thank you. Especially in the context of Indian B schools, that is super relevant. Absolutely. Um, so one of the things that are there in the entire journey of getting into a consulting job is three kinds of cases, I would say. One is case competitions, you know, inter-B school case competition. One is the the actual case, which is there in the final final interview round itself. And the third is uh, the case studies that we do in our classes as well, which help us to think from the point of view of a manager. So what would be some of your tips to sort of like, how do we tackle these three kinds of cases? Okay. All these different kinds of cases are trying to help you achieve, uh, trying to achieve something, right? Similar. That is say, how can you be a better problem solver? For example, if you are, let me talk about the differences as well over here. One, the case competition cases, right? They give you excess information. They give you like, hey, probably 15 to 16 pages of case studies. There's a lot of data and they'll ask you like, hey, what do you infer from this, right? What is the insight that you can gain from this data? Right? Can you please present that? So that is, you are given a mountain of data and you are asked to basically present like few little fun facts, insights from that, right? In the best possible way. Right. Now, if you come to the interview perspective, right? There you are given probably four sentences or five sentences or at most 10 sentences. That is very little information. And then you are asked to go inside out, Right. You are given 10 sentences and now the entire conversation of 30 minutes is based on that 10 sentences, right? Whether it is top down, right? Like a case competition or whether it's a, let's say bottom up or top down, whichever way you call it, right? These two are very different. Now, 
the objective of what you get to listen in classes is also different right the objective over there is like a there is a 15 page case but professor knows that case probably he can a professor he or she can speak about that case in their sleep as well right they have seen this case for so many times they're like hey ruchira can you please talk about like page 17 appendix what is this number right right so that happens a lot now the objective over there is to give you insight into one specific concept that's it right so the idea behind these three things are different but all of them will help you become a better problem solver so don't forget that fact that hey when, whenever and whatever you are doing please understand that hey yes there is a broader learning for you from each one of these aspects right so as i was talking previously how can you be a better problem solver if you are given a lot of information right if you are reading a newspaper article see what are the three things for you to take away similarly if you are talking about managerial accounting in your business class and if you get a 17 page case please think about hey, what are the three learnings from that case for you specific to that concept right now that is how you start learning about that problem solving skill right the same thing applies if you have only one thing and if you have to derive three specific recommendations for the client that could be from a case study right or a case interview question so please understand what is the objective let the objective take its own trail right like in a managerial accounting class uh, you can't control the professor from speaking about that concept but for you you take away what are the what are those three things absolutely i think that was a very refreshing take on the three different types of cases that uh, you know we've started to see in the b school um, so that that was really helpful so uh, speaking about cases uh, it brings to mind the connection and which i uh, through which i met you which was through the platform cases over coffee so um, what i noticed was that you worked in the consulting industry for a few years and then you created two of your own ventures that is the cases over coffee and blue chapter as well So can you walk us through a little bit about that decision making process that you had there how you built them what were some transferable skills that you took from being a consultant to being someone who ha- has his own two ventures okay again uh, yes i did because it was a very personal choice consulting is a very glamorous field so to say they always there is always a carrot in front of you dangling right that carrot is 30 minutes 30 meters away from you right if you move forward 30 meters the carrot is also moving forward another 30 meters so you can never reach that carrot that's how consulting world is set up right uh, for example let's assume that hey, you after your mba you join one of these consulting firms or ib firms they give you certain set of like salary package and they say that hey in one year if you sit in the industry you will probably increase your salary by 10% or 15% the consulting companies will say okay we want ruchira to stay in the company so let's make that number 30% right so you will say that oh instead of switching if i continue i'll probably get 30% hike right now after one year they'll say the same thing again right and now it's 30% if i stay one more year i'll get another 30% right so in other basically in two years you are getting two 30% hikes whereas let's say your friend from the industry is having 10% plus 10% hike right so that's the carrot that is always 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 in front of you now to get out of that right and move into a different path is very 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 like difficult right hey why would you not want to take a lot of money right but uh, for me it was a very personal decision i decided uh, that i wanted to be in the education space and that's the reason i moved out and i started my own venture now what are some of the transferable skills to be honest again consulting and entrepreneurship are 
two different ball games altogether right one is you are supporting somebody you are just suggesting or you are just giving a strategy right you are not into execution but if you think about entrepreneurship it is all about execution right you have an idea and idea does not make any difference that's probably you would have heard this thousand times in the last two months right in your business school right it's all about execution now entrepreneurship is about execution and this is all about business strategy giving out recommendations so on so forth but there are still some transferable skills and the first problem solving thing that we talked about so far right like hey how do you solve a problem based on first principles how do you solve problems for which you do not have background about that gives you a lot of confidence right that first principle skills whether you solve the problems to the best of your abilities let's not talk about that for now but that gives you a lot of confidence that hey i can solve any problem right at least in the most logical way right so that confidence will help you keep pushing forward and at least that what that's what happened to me understood so uh, you you said you moved into this education space and i was one of the students at your cases of a coffee as well so yeah. i i completely bear testament to the fact that it was a wonderful way of learning hands on skills about exploring the world of consulting uh, before starting my mba so that really helped me understand a lot so you along with cases of a coffee you've also started this other venture called blue chapter and would you like to just share a little bit about what that is and how our listeners could benefit from that it's the exact same thing uh blue chapter is also trying to build the exact same thing which is like hey if anybody wants to explore consulting if somebody wants to explore let's say product management or investment banking or let's say a strategy role in general right somebody with 5 years of experience in a niche technical role how can they go sit and interview confidently if they don't know what the other side of the table right the the interviewer is a consultant the interviewer is an investment banker if they don't know what the other person is doing on a day to day basis right the you as a candidate are never confident to answer these questions right so our own objective is to give that experience right a how a strategy role will look like in sustainability how a strategy role will look like in some of the emerging fields whether it is crypto sustainability mental health or any of these areas and that experience right over a month over two months that experience will help you talk to others in a very confident way it is a very qualitative thing it's not a quantitative thing but it adds a lot of value because you present the best version of yourself in front of the interviewer and which is very difficult to do and this experiential programs that we are offering at blue chapter the impact is very qualitative the impact is very subtle and but it takes a long way that the final difference between like hey you being 90% ready to take an interview versus 100% ready to take an interview i think we are filling that last 10% gap I understand. Yep. So I think that would be really beneficial to a lot of our listeners who are looking to explore different industries as well. That this is a place that they can come and get snapshots of different industries and see whether that industry is actually what they are looking to pivot into. Absolutely. So now that we're done with a little bit of the knowledge nuggets questions, I move on to our final segment, which is a network and chill rapid fire section. So okay. um, uh, give me a cue when you're ready, and I will fire away the questions. Okay. Please go ahead. All right. So number one. What is a must read book that you would recommend any MBA student? I don't know if it is for an MBA student versus not but when I was a student I read Murakami books quite a bit and that changed my life a lot. So okay. I would recommend it's not necessarily for an MBA student but I would highly recommend them. All any right. Murakami book. All right. Um what is one dark truth about consulting? I started off the conversation with that it is super stressful and that remains the dark truth as well. 
Okay. What is one myth about consulting that you want to bust? The myth about consulting that I want to bust is, hey, now uh, you get a lot of SPG or Marriott Bonvoy points that I, you can spend even in your future life. But let me tell you that points will like, evaporate like water like very, very, very soon. And I can testament for a fact that hey, I've spent eight years in consulting and I evaporated all my points in less than one year post-consulting. All right. All right. I think that's a very practical one. Uh, question four. What is one tip to handle stressful situations? I would say you can depend on always answering. If you are basically trying to tell somebody that, hey, this is what it is in a stressful situation, you can always use the rule of three. Say that, hey, there are three things to convey. right? Uh, and even if you don't know the third thing, that's fine. You can come up with the third thing by the time you finish your second thing. Right. Uh, that's how I would handle any stressful situation if I'm basically talking with somebody else. Understood. And the uh, last question is, what is one tip to grow the LinkedIn presence? Okay. Only consistency matters. Nothing else. If you write good content versus bad content versus pentabulous content, none of these things matter. All you need to do is like be there consistently. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the Network and Chill Rapid Fire session. And I would just like to take a moment to thank you so much, Pavan, for coming and being the first uh, expert guest at our podcast. And it's been a pleasure hosting you here. And I'm sure our listeners have so much to take away from the knowledge nuggets you offer. Thank you. Thanks, Rachira. It was a great conversation. And thank you for having me. And uh, looking forward to listening more these kind of sessions from your podcast going forward as well.